0: You are back with the conversation on Hawaii Public Radio. This is Catherine Cruz. Today, we're talking about adapting in these COVID times. Uh, Joining us this morning, Jim Barahal, President and CEO of the Honolulu Marathon. He's also a physician with Doctors on Call, and he and his committee made the call to cancel the Hapalua Half Marathon back in March due to COVID. Uh, He is working on a revised plan for the Honolulu Marathon in December. Good morning, Jim. Good morning. I'm glad you could join us today. You know, we also also have Lori McCarney on the line. She's the former CEO of Beaky Bikes. She's the executive director of the Hawaii Bicycling League. And the nonprofit uh, league canceled the Haliba Metric Ride and also the 10th annual Zach's Ride in Paradise, though fundraising in Zach's memory has moved virtual. It has prepared sanitation and uh, distancing protocols for the Honolulu Century Ride in the hope that the ride in September will be allowed to take place. Hi, Lori. Hi, right, good morning. Well, you know, we're going to keep our fingers crossed for the September ride, but it's anybody's <laughs> <Thank you. laughs> it's anybody's guess right now. Uh, and also mm-hmm. joining us, uh, Stefan Reinke. He's the president of the Waikiki Rough Water Swim Committee. He's a longtime channel swimmer here in the islands. He's also a partner with the law firm Lyons, Brant, Cook, and Hiramatsu. He's been involved in uh, well, triathlon events for over 30 years as a participant, volunteer, coach, and organizer. He canceled the uh, Waikiki Rough Water Swim scheduled for December, though the double rough water race uh, has, is still on. Welcome, Stefan.
1: Good morning. Thank you.
0: Did you swim today? <laughs>
1: uh, first thing this morning, okay, right off of Waikiki.
0: There you go. You know, I'm going to circle back to Jim, Hall because, you know, when we talked like just a week ago, you were saying you were watching some of the big boys, the big events, uh, the New York Marathon, I think the Berlin Marathon, and those got canceled this week.
2: Yes, they got canceled. New York, I think, two days ago.
0: So, who else are you watching? What, what are the other races that
2: uh,
0: are going to come before yours?
2: Well, there's two more big ones potentially. One is the uh, Chicago Marathon, and um, one is what's the other the London Marathon the, london is is really a potentially big one. Um, we've also watching some smaller races, interestingly enough, uh, the Fargo, North Dakota. Marathon, which is scheduled for September, is going to go on. And uh, fairly, that's that's not a big one. That's and it's not super small. It's about 4,000 people. And the marathon in Hamburg, Germany, which is scheduled for September, it sounds like they're going on. And they're going to have about 13,000 people between the marathon and the half marathon. So I think it's a mixed bag out there as as to what's been happening. Of course, the big cancellations, the biggest one being in New York and, and Berlin, but some medium-sized races uh, look like they're going on as scheduled. So it's, a, like I say, a mixed bag on, on, on that right now.
0: And you were telling me that you've been kind of constantly meeting with these race directors all over the world.
2: Right. We have Zoom meetings. I'm in a group of 200 race directors. Our, our, our race director, J.J. Uh, Johnson, is also in another group with uh, a much smaller group. Uh, with uh, very large uh, race directors and operations directors, including the Boston Marathon, uh, New York, Chicago. So we're in constant contact with people all over the world as far as putting these events on. Um, of course, every municipality is a little different. The timing of the race is different. Uh, Honolulu, fortunately for us, is not till December 13th, so it's a long way off. As, I, as I've said, COVID time is uh, very different than real time. Uh, a day is a week, a week is a month, and a month is a year. So it's very difficult to say right now what the, the situation is going to be with COVID in December. So I think for us, especially now in, in light of uh, yesterday's announcement by Governor Ige about the beginning to open up tourism, some of the details still have to be uh, more fleshed out, but we're still a long way off. We have five and a half months till till the marathon, and it, I think it would be uh, presumptuous to try to say what it's gonna look like on December 13th. So uh, we're keeping our options open. Uh, we are making plans of almost a parallel race where every every operation, every facet of the event is being looked at and potential, potentially modified in order to give us the best possible chance to put on a safe event. So um, we're a long way from making a final decision, but I think the, uh, the returns, as you pointed out, from the big races are not good. On the other hand, we have some medium sized races that are going forward. And anytime anybody can put an event on uh, and do it successfully, then that's going to increase the odds of another event such as ours uh, being held.
0: So we should just tell the runners out there just keep training. <laughs>
2: Yeah, keep training because the exercise is always good. And um, like I say, five and a half months is in, in COVID time is a long, long way off.
0: Okay. Well, uh, I know, Laurie on your uh, uh, website, the Bicycle League says, uh, you know, cycling isn't canceled. There may be some events that aren't being held, but cycling is not.
3: Cycling is definitely not. And definitely one of the things that we've seen is a lot more people biking. And um uh, during the COVID pandemic, especially as people were only allowed to go outside for essential, uh, essential business, and one of those essential things was to exercise. And so, um, I think a lot of people, when they couldn't go to the fitness center or do some of the things that they used to do, said, "Hmm, I have a bike sitting over there. Maybe I'll take it out for a ride." And uh, with less traffic, uh, then it felt safer, and it was. You know, there were fewer cars to uh, deal with. So so more people started biking and being outside and um and that, that's awesome.
0: You know, I did have a flat tire and I uh took it into a bike shop and uh and they were saying, you know, gosh, we everybody's you know bringing out the bikes from under the house and you know they they're just going gangbusters with tune-ups. And I did call every single bike shop I think across the state just to see how they were doing and the story was the same. It's like uh the bike sales, bike repairs were up uh you know maybe some of the business with the uh, renting bikes with uh, for the triathletes that kind of thing um uh, that was down but uh, definitely more people out there biking
3: yeah and that's great i mean it's a great form of exercise and transportation and It's sustainable it's affordable there's a lot of good things about a bike
0: now you had to cancel the um you i think you postponed the halieva metric right initially and now it's officially canceled.
3: yes yeah we kept you know back to COVID time, I guess, uh, we were originally planned to have our Hollywood metric century in April. Then we postponed it to June, and then we postponed it to July, and then we had to cancel it. And so um, people had the option to defer TAL next year or donate to us. We are a nonprofit. Um, but that was just one. We try to wait as long as we can. So it's like full steam ahead. Uh, we worked on protocols uh, for Uh, safety as far as social distancing and virus spread among participants and volunteers, worked on sanitation uh, protocols at aid stations. But when it came down to it, it really came down to outdoor events are limited to groups of 100 or less. And as people have asked me about that, they've said, yeah, but why can't you do this and why can't you do that and why can't you do the other? Um, it really came down to that, and I think that the way I explain it to them is, let's say that you were a hair salon, and you had developed all sorts of ways that you were going to keep people safe. Um, you could go in and present those and everything, but but still, the people who, who put down the guidelines for opening, they had to be consistent with everybody, <laughs> so they couldn't say, yeah, this person's doing this, so that's okay, and this person's not, so we're going to let this salon open and not that salon, it has to be I think pretty under pretty standard for people to um, people overall to understand. So um, so while we prepared a lot of protocols and worked on a lot of different things, we really were not able to uh, put it on because of the 100 person event limit right and I think event. that's
0: the that's the stickler right it's like okay w- yeah. what is the snapshot in time what is the mayor allowing as far as groups meeting because we we saw that right. change over the last couple of months um, how many right. people does the century ride normally attract
3: well at the century ride we will tend to be somewhere close to two thousand people overall okay. uh, that's local and uh, international registrants okay. and so that throws another sort of um, question into Um, um, the event, is what would registration look like this year? Will people travel um, to participate? Even if they're able to, is there going to be hesitation about traveling? You know, we don't know. Um, Everybody's going through this for the first time. Right.
0: And, Stefan, I know early on this year they canceled the uh, North Shore Swim Series and then um, the Rough Water uh, as well. So uh, what's your take on, you know, what led up to those decisions?
1: Well, I think there's a number of factors. And, and when those races were all – when the decision was made that it wasn't safe to hold those races, it was not just COVID safety, but it's also the fun, the event. There were ways of putting on events that may be safe, but guess what? They're not any fun anymore because at the end of the – before the race, you can't congregate and talk to your friends. And after the race, you can't stop and have a conversation about the event. So all you're doing is the race itself, and somehow that lo- you lose the spirit of the race, spirit of the event, when you can't have the full uh, uh, production. So we thought that through, and, and, and frankly, you know, racing is great. And, and, and what Lori does and what Jim does is putting on these events that people can have a, 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 an event that they can train for and point out, it, it's good stuff. Nothing wrong, and same with the swimming. But the most important part isn't the race. It's the lead-up to the race. It's the training. It's, as Jim said, it's healthy to run, it's healthy to ride your bike, it's healthy to swim. All those things are still possible, particularly in our state. We're very blessed with good weather, wide open waters, and, and frankly, good roads lately. So the most important part is doing the training, not the event itself. And our sense was if we couldn't put on a safe and fun event, it was best to postpone, pick it up again next year.
0: So uh, how many participants do you normally have in the rough water?
1: The rough water can range anywhere from about 700 to 1,000 uh, people in the race, but add in a couple of, a couple hundred additional volunteers and anywhere from 400 to 600 spectators, friends and family that come down to watch. So we're looking at uh, around 2,000 people that are involved with the event. Um, and of those numbers, well over half are from uh, offshore. They are from neighbor islands. They are from the mainland. They are from um, international participants from Japan, Australia, New Zealand, and Europe. So we have a wide range of people that are, are involved.
0: Now, uh, you know, we did also reach out to um, Haua Boca with Boca Hawaii. He puts on a number of uh, uh, triathlon and running events uh, here in the state uh, he, just yesterday, he canceled the Nawahini Triathlon, which normally would be in July, and the Lanikai Triathlon was also canceled early this spring, and still up in the air for him is a family triathlon at the Four Seasons Hotel at Olina. but here's what um, I will like to say.
4: I'm not in a hurry. Um, I don't want be to the, be the first guy, the first to race director, putting events out there and, and see what's going to happen. I'd rather observe and do the right things, you know. I'm not desperate to have those events happening in any circumstances. I want to do it the right way. So we are working with Mid-Pacific Roadrunners Club, and if I have an event with a 1,000 people, we can have waves of 40 people at a time. So if you come at 5 o'clock in the morning, you, you start, for example, will be from 5 to 5.10, and then from 5.10 to 5.20, another 40 people will start, 5.20 to 5.30. You know what I mean? So break it down. Then, of course, we have to follow the protocols with the aid stations, so everybody's going to have to carry their own water, and uh, we have uh, pitchers to fill it in their water bottles and so on. Of course, not gathering at the end of the event. So you will run, get your water or something that you need, and then go to your car and go home.
0: And that doesn't sound like a lot of fun. You know, Stefan, you, you said that it's the camaraderie. It's the, you know, the awards uh, uh, event after. Uh, and so, yeah, it's kind of sad when you think, you know, you're going to go and you're going to do your 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 little run, but you won't have your friends there.
1: That's my sense of it. and You know, I swim with, a, with a, a small group of people. My We call them swim pods and I swim with them virtually six or seven times a week, have a great time. We see other pods. It's good to get out and socialize i see the runners out together i see the cyclists out together but they're in small groups and and they're able to get that camaraderie that way right now i mean i admire how and how is as good a race director as we have uh, in putting on these local events and and i know he'd like to go forward with them and i think but i also appreciate how it was going to do the right thing
0: yeah and he also puts on this i think a five event marathon readiness training series leading up to the Honolulu Marathon, uh, but here's what he had to say about that.
4: I have seen a few events, a few training going on that people are forgetting that we're still not over this. You keep the distance. They have to be really careful. Very, very hard to do. We are doing a training situation in Kailua with the Pacific Road Runners Club with a small group of people, and we're trying to figure out how to do the start and how to make marks, that people respect the lines. And so we've got to talk about that.
0: Yeah, so it's interesting. You know, it sounds like people are just trying to figure out, you know, what would work, you know, when he talks about you have to bring your own water. I don't know, Jim, you want to talk about that? You know, there's not going to be any snacks at the end uh, of the race, I imagine. You know, but how do you do, you know, no aid stations?
2: Well, the Honolulu Marathon, maybe we're in a slightly different situation in that I think we cross over from – uh, just being an athletic event and a competition and a fun run and all those things, but a huge economic engine for the state. It's the largest uh, economic impact event, sporting or otherwise. Our economic impact is approximately $140 million. We're bringing in approximately 40,000 people from outside of Hawaii, uh, including almost 30,000 people from Japan. So. I think from that point of view, it's a little, it's more like a moving convention than it is a, a running event. Um, it's also a hot weather marathon. So we have needs in terms of operations of fluid replacements is extremely important. I think that, I, I do think there's a way to put on the event safely. I think we know how to do it. Obviously, um, it would be optimal if another marathon is put on first and that's why I mentioned at the at the onset of this this talk about Fargo and Hamburg Marathon I think everybody kinda has an idea how to do it and the first person the first event that actually does it's gonna be carefully watched and I gotta tell you we're more than happy to be the first one we're Mm -hmm. willing to step forward Uh, we think we have the experience in putting out events we think we have the resources And uh, we hope they'll have the support of the city and the state. No one's going to go and give a green light or give a permit. If it's not going to be anticipated, it'll be safe. But we're still being optimistic. As I said, it's a long way off. There are ways to do this that increase the safety profile. I don't think you can do anything in the world that doesn't have some element of risk. But we think we have a plan. And we think uh, we know our uh, we will have the support when time comes. If it's if it's completely impossible, then it won't happen. But we're willing to put the event on. We think it's very important for the state. We think tourism is very important for the state. I see the economy crashing all around us here right now. We have 250,000 people out of work, and we're happy to step forward and show that this type of event can happen and that it can happen safely.
0: Now. A lot of your participants come from Japan, and there's been talk about establishing some kind of bubble, you know, with Japan or New Zealand or or other places where COVID cases are, are, the numbers are low. Uh, So, you know, how does that work with the marathon?
2: Well, I haven't heard anything uh, about the travel bubble. Yesterday's announcement uh, didn't specifically reference that. It seems to be more directed toward mainland. Uh, We would welcome a travel bubble. Uh, right now, we have about 9,000 entrants in the event. These are predominantly Hawaii people that signed up at our early entry in January. So they signed up pre-COVID, and actually long before we canceled the Hapalua, which is a 10,000-runner event, we canceled that in March. So we have 9,000 approximately local runners. We would welcome a travel bubble from Japan, Australia, and New Zealand we think the combination of our local runners and the travel bubble would enable us to have an event uh, that we could control and operate safely, but have enough scale uh, that we can operate it uh, financially. I think lost in this discussion a little bit is, is all, all events, big and small, are businesses as well. And so you also get into a situation where you have to have a critical mass of, of participants, which generally means revenue, to actually have the resources to put on the event, we, the Hanoi Marathon, doesn't get any financial support from the state. So whatever this thing looks like in December, if it actually happens, you know, it's going to have to be uh, self-supporting and put on uh, through entry fees and sponsorships. So we'd be very comfortable with our local runners and with the travel bubble from Japan. We think that would be optimal. Uh, we think that would give us enough financial important critical mass to actually put the thing on and control the uh, the, the situation uh, uh, quite well. So that's actually what we're hoping for.
0: Are you talking to anybody you know either with HTA or with the state about that possibility even?
2: Uh, yes, I am. okay.
0: All right. Well, we you know have a comment from a listener who says people are supposed to maintain three feet of distance, but often disregard the guidelines. Can signs be put up to remind race participants, and will people even obey them? Who wants to take that?
2: I'm happy to take it, because this is something that's coming up. This is Jim. Mm-hmm. Um, I think uh, one of the other participants mentioned earlier, I think it was Howell, actually, Howell, in his recorded uh, comments, talked about The smaller uh, races, uh, the mid-pack races he puts on, very nice event, And by using kind of staggered starts, it's somewhat easier to control the distance. I mean, I understand that the six feet social distancing is kind of the standard. In Europe, uh, the distance was uh, uh, two meters, which is slightly longer than six feet. But that that restriction is being uh, changed in the United Kingdom uh, starting on July 4th to one meter which is uh, 39 inches so that's a little bit over three feet so like everything else we learn something every day things can change every day so even the social distancing recommendation it's 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 quite possible given what's happening in europe that that could be a completely uh, different recommendation in december so it's why we all have to just kind of uh, stay in communication see what's going on and see how things change so right now as i say july 4th in england which has been quite hard hit by this is lowering that recommendation, and it's mainly for pubs. To be, to be honest with you, it's going down to one meter. So it um, also require close contact with somebody. So the social distancing thing—if somebody were to run right by somebody, to be honest with you—the um, chance of you uh, getting COVID from that are, are pretty small. But that I want to I want to bring up another issue, and I know we have an attorney here on the the liner, he can (laughs) weigh in on this too. One thing that's going on from the Hano Marathon point of view and every other event is the necessity of writing pretty severe waivers, uh, specifically referencing COVID for people to sign up. And beyond that, the ability to get insurance. Our event is insured by United States track and field. So no matter what we do on this end, no matter how much support we get from whatever entity, At the end of the day, the insurer is going to be the one that determines whether you can put on the event. So that's another factor that we can't control. We have to get insurance, and certain criteria will will almost certainly have to be met. And since we get our insurance from the official governing body, uh, that's why we would uh, prefer that a, a medium to large size United States race occurs before ours. But I haven't heard we can't get insurance. I'm just saying that the legal ramifications of this liability waivers and the insurability of the event is actually quite important. Okay,
0: Stefan, you're the uh, attorney here.
2: <laughs> you want well, to jump in?
1: This is Stefan and I want to be just a little bit careful here because I never know when some insurance company is going to hire me <laughs> to litigate this issue. <laughs> but, but I've looked at it, too, and we looked at it also. We were able to get insurance this year, but it had a COVID exclusion in it. mm. And the recommendation, and I've I've read a lot of articles and and did some research, and the recommendations from insurers and and the legal field is that you have these waivers in place, these specific COVID infectious disease waivers that people sign up uh, or have to sign off on. Um, I know from my own experience in the state of Hawaii that most waivers are only good as to negligence and not as to gross negligence, which puts an additional burden on races to make sure that when they've created these safety guidelines, they've done so in a fashion that's not, that it's not reckless or, taking, or, or disregarding known safety um, obligations or recommendations. And that's very tough because COVID has become a political ball, as everybody knows. Anybody that picks up a paper or reads it on the Internet knows it's become a political ball, and you can find arguments on both sides. And that's difficult for those of us who simply want to put on an event. Um, and I, I think even tougher on someone, and Jim is, I think, absolutely correct. His event is much different because it is an economic driver. It is a, a large event. Though they have a lot of resources, people look at it really carefully. And I know one of the things we were, have been and continue to say, what's the Halloween Marathon? What they do, we can emulate.
0: Okay. Well, if you're just joining the conversation, we're talking about the cancellation of many of our beloved race events here in the islands and the prospect of rescheduling them. Uh, our guests, Jim Barahol uh, of the Honolulu Marathon, Lori McCartney, Executive Director of the Hawaii Bicycling League, and Stefan Reinke of the Rough, Waikiki Rough Water Swim Committee. Uh, we will be right back after a break, but we want you to call in at 1-877-941-3689. We'll be right back.
1: Support for Hawaii Public
2: Radio comes from Hawaiian Airlines, proudly serving the islands with nonstop flights for more than 90 years. More at hawaiianairlines.com, including travel information and an updated neighbor island schedule.
4: Tune in to HPR1 Saturday night for the next Hawaii Public Radio presents Blue Note virtually live. This week, singer-songwriter John Cruz plays songs ranging from Hawaiian to blues, folk, R&B, and more. A winner of Grammy and Nahoku Hanohano Awards, Cruz is beloved for his captivating guitar playing, soulful vocals, and compassionate heart. That's Saturday at 6 p.m. to HBR1 or listen on your smart speaker. support for Hawaii Public
2: Radio comes from the Honolulu Museum of Art, reopening with safety in mind on July 16th, offering reconnections to the art, courtyards and the museum community with new weekend evening hours. honolulu museum.org.
0: We are you are back with the conversation and this is Catherine Cruz. Uh I want to go to Lori McCartney. You know, Lori, uh, you know, you're a nonprofit, and, uh, you know, the money that you raise uh, with these events that you put on, you know, goes to fund the Bicycling League and the events and the education programs. And you've had to pivot.
3: Yes, we did. Um, you know, it is really tough. We're not a big event like the marathon, and um, we definitely are one that advocates bicycling. And in order to fund the things that we do around advocacy, we have to have money. And the biggest things that fund us are we have some grants from the city for education, but then our events help fund our advocacy and many other things. So when we have to cancel an event, it is a financial hardship for us, Um, and it limits the things that we want to do, especially in a time when we have more people bicycling. I get lots of comments about you have all these new people out bicycling. They don't understand the rules of the road. Why aren't you guys doing more? And so, you know, so we sort of are in this situation of needing and wanting to do more, but seeing potential limitations on uh, what we can do. And to Jim's point and Stefan's point, if any event we do, we want to be good for people. We want them to say, that was a great event. I had fun. I think the social aspect is definitely important. Uh, We want it to be safe. Uh, We want it to be safe for our volunteers. I also recognize, though, that there are people, and I've heard this in the last week when we canceled our metric century ride, lots of disappointment. Um, people had really looked forward to that, and especially the people who aren't racing all of the time, yes, they can go out and do a bike ride with somebody, but they're doing it for the reason of getting ready for an event, and that sometimes, and I'm one of those people, it helps focus me and keeps me out there being active. So. Um, so it is, it is uh, challenging for us, but from a pivot standpoint, then our Zachary Monago's uh, Ride in Paradise, which is a fundraiser. Um, Zachary Monago was killed um, on his bicycle 10 years ago, and we've used that ride to help raise awareness about bike safety and to honor Zach. And that one we couldn't hold, so we went virtual and did a number of different things, video contests, uh, um pictures, memories of Zach, memories of what have you, to try to continue to uh, keep Zach's memory alive during this period of time and also to raise funds for bike safety.
0: Yes, and bike safety is what it's all about. And, you know, we did get a call earlier uh, from a listener, Mary in Kaimuki, and and she commented that, you know, she's uh, seen more people outside running and biking. Aloha, this is uh, Mary from Kaimuki, Over the stay-at-home orders and um, even beyond, as I go running or cycling in my neighborhood, I see a lot more folks that I maybe hadn't seen previously, um, especially cycling, women, children, family cycling. I want to see this as a silver lining to the crisis we've all gone through. How do we continue to have, keep up this momentum, have people continuing to be outside running, cycling, swimming even? So I'm wondering, what do we do to keep up this momentum, given that kind of events are on pause or are in question? I know for me, I don't run oftentimes regularly unless there's an event coming up, or I don't cycle long distances unless there's an event coming up. So what can we do as a community to help keep up this momentum? Because it's one of the things that I've loved the most seeing um, throughout this crisis period. You want to talk about that, Lori?
3: Yeah, uh, why don't I jump in here? You know, I saw that, too, and I thought, oh, wow, this is fantastic. Before COVID, everybody's inside on their electronics. (laughs) And then during the pandemic, everybody's outside. So how do we keep them outside? And um, one of the things that we've seen in other cities are what's called open streets. And what a city has done is they said we want people to be outside exercising. It's a healthy behavior. It will help their immune systems. And so seeing that that was happening other places, the city um, was interested in doing something like that. And um, I contacted them and um, helped them, uh, and working with the Waikiki community, put together Kalakaua Open Street Sundays. And that was designed specifically to help keep that going. You know? Uh, and, and, and people say, well, why isn't that an event? I've gotten that question before. And I said, there's no event. It's just the streets closed to no cars. <laughs> That's basically the event. Um, We let people know about it, but that was it. And anything that we did by circulating and volunteering was just to keep people moving. So it wasn't activity. It wasn't a, um, you know, congregating, and we were very conscious of social distancing. So those kinds of things are what we need to keep working towards is how do we help people continue to see that biking with family or biking without worrying about cars is a good thing to do. So that more people then provide that kind of support to people in um, in the government or in our cities that want to do that. So so it takes people seeing what's possible, which they could see some through um, the pandemic with people out exercising more, and then they can see through open streets that allows them maybe to think, well, maybe we can provide safe places for people to bike and run. So so moving along that thought process is what we're trying to do
0: okay and you know Stefan, we did have a conversation oh gosh i think it was back after the waikiki rough water where there were a lot of rescues of swimmers in the water and uh, i think at that point we were talking about okay does there need to be kind of a reassessment when you have a large group like that um do you need to limit the size of the swim and make it you know where you have to qualify to participate but one of the great things about the rough water is that, you know, you do get swimmers of all uh, levels.
1: Uh, Catherine, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to work on your language, though. You said rescues, and we actually didn't have a single rescue at this year's rough water. We had assists.
0: Assists, okay. And, and the difference <laughs> is,
1: is, is people that need to be rescued are in a, in, a, in a position where they can't make it to shore under any circumstances and the risk of imminent danger as opposed to someone that says, hey, I'm having a hard time. Someone give me a hand. That's what we really had. I have to say if there's any silver lining in in the event not going forward this year is that we were looking at almost the same tide conditions, wind and tide conditions for this year's event as last year's event. So it would have been a challenging year this year. Uh, That said, you know, I I really like Lori's uh, event that's going on right now, which is the non-event opening up the streets. I noticed during COVID that more people were getting in the water when the beaches were closed. So you weren't allowed to go lie on the beach. They'd go down to the beach and get in the water. And I'd go down to Kaimana to go for a swim, and there'd be hundreds of people, not on the beach, but in the water. It was really great to see. I like Mary's question, and and I think it's one that we all have to ask ourselves. How do we keep this momentum going? Is it uh, uh, having virtual events? Is it uh, hopefully, once again, hopefully the marathon goes forward? Hopefully, the Great Aloha Run goes forward. I know that's on track. It's a February event. So hopefully, they can get some guidance and help from the marathon experiences, the Honolulu Marathon experiences, uh, to put on their event this year, because that's how we keep people going. We do give them goals. We give them things that they can do. I tell people, look at, look at the other athletes you know, for example, like the University of Hawaii, the swim teams, and emulate what they do. Do what they're doing in order to keep yourself going in your own sports.
0: Okay. We do have a call on the line. Uh, Don from Hawaii. Kai. What's on your
5: mind? Hi. Um, I'm a friend of Lori's. Uh, she knows me out on the roads. Uh, I was busy training to do the Transamerica Bike Race, which is a 4,200-mile race across the United States. It was to take place in early June, and I didn't want all that training to, take, to uh, go for naught. And fortunately, since Hawaii's roads have been open for bicycles, I was able to enter into a virtual race across America where everybody's miles get logged onto a map of the United States. And eventually, hopefully, I will reach 4,200 miles of cycling this summer and will have completed the race, even though it was done without socialization. So I thought that was an interesting way to go about using the training to your advantage and still having an event, even though it's sort of a non-event. All right. I'll I'll stop there and leave it. All right. Thanks so much for that.
3: Can I just ask Don where he is now? Because last I checked him in Oregon.
5: (laughs) (laughs) I am right on the border going into Idaho on my race. I've done about 680 miles, I think.
0: Okay. Well, good for <laughs> you. That's great. You know, we do had uh, another comment from a caller who said that, you know, we're putting a lot of value on bike races, but he feels that Hawaii's roadways are very bike unfriendly. But, you know, during these COVID times, I, I have to say, I've had wonderful rides downtown, and there was no traffic. It was quite lovely. <laughs>
3: Yeah, I think, you know, I can agree that we have, there are many improvements we can make in our roads. and um, But again, I'm hoping as more people are experiencing being out biking that they will provide support and let their representatives know that they want better roads for biking, better, safer places to bike.
0: And uh, we did have uh, someone else write in on Facebook. Andy Lee Jackson says uh, his story is he rides his bike for fitness, training for life. He was logging more miles uh, because his gym was closed, but last month he was hit by a car. No serious injuries, but uh, my only bike was damaged, he says, and needs to go to the shop for repairs. It's been a month and a half, and the bike is still not fixed because of the backlog of new business. The shop says not to expect it done until the end of July. So not only has uh, my plan to do the metric uh, century squashed, but so has any hope of being in shape for the full century. He says, I need wind in my hair. And so people miss, I think, really getting out there once they've, you know, started these hopefully good, healthy habits that uh, we hope that they keep up with this. Uh, I do want to ask, Jim, I know uh, I I was reading about, you know, our Kenyans, you know, uh, because we have so many, you know, elite athletes that come over and uh, they're saying this COVID thing has really cramped their training. What are you hearing from our, our runners?
2: Well, that's a good question. Uh, the, the, the the big races that have just been canceled, New York and Berlin, these are events that bring in uh, the top runners in the world. Uh, that's why we still want to see what's going on with Chicago and London. London actually has the top uh, elite or professional running field in the world. I don't have a good hand on whether that event's going. What I do know as far as our own elite field, and, and we have broken our course record three times in the last, uh, three years, and the woman's world record holder actually made her breakthrough here. So we've had some pretty uh, top runners here. The market right now for top runners is pretty um, is pretty big because all these races have been canceled. So we've been hearing from the, our our contacts and the agents and managers that we work with, and many of them want to run Honolulu. We're not really in a position right now to make those commitments. We just don't know enough about whether this event's going to be held. Um, But we do have the opportunity to bring in some pretty uh, top runners if we choose to go that way. Again, I point out the economic, um, not only the economic impact of our event, but the cost of putting on the event. We do know this, talking about whether the event is fun or not, we do know this. It's going to look, if we do do the Honol Marathon, it's going to look real different than it's ever looked. Um, Will it be fun Um, I guess that'll be on a case-by-case basis, whatever someone thinks is fun, but I do know that a lot of the bells and whistles are going to be pulled out of this thing in the name of safety and precaution, and if we are fortunate enough to put it on, it will be a very different-looking event and may not be as much fun. We'd like to still think that the real fun or joy of this is in the accomplishment of doing it, so as part of that, we're not sure what our professional running field is going to look like, if at all, because some, a lot of that is economic, to be honest with you. We have $150,000 in prize money, and we do pay appearance fees for some of these top runners to come here. And so we're going to have to take a hard look at this and see financially what we can handle and still put on the event, because the cost of, of, of COVIDizing the event and making it safe or as safe as it can be is also going to cost a substantial amount of money. So that's something that we're looking at, and and uh, but the many top runners and their agents are interested in running Honolulu. Well,
0: you know, maybe we should segue on that because I consider you folks all, you know, elite athletes. And Lori, I understand that you just uh, qualified for an Ironman, uh, and the big question is: is it still going to go?
3: Yeah. Um, so I have done. Uh, 11 Ironman races, and now I'm doing 70.3, which is half Ironman distance, and um, last year I competed at Nice uh, for the 70.3 World Championship, and that was awesome, and I said, oh, I think I want to do that again, so I went to, I I was able to race in Sydney, Australia, and qualify for the 70.3 World Championship, which is supposed to be held in November in New Zealand. However, um, that's been Deferred, but no date has been set, and there's questions on if it will, when it will happen, if they'll roll it in uh, to another uh, event or what. And interesting, Ironman-wise, is that for the World Championship races, you have to qualify um, to be invited, right? So if all the races that lead up to these World Championships are canceled or deferred, then their number of people that qualify for the race is reduced. So uh, what I've been interested in seeing is a lot of people who are doing uh, virtual races for Ironman, and they're tr- they're using those. There's a certain number of slots that they're identifying to allow people to uh, um, to qualify for those races. So so Ironman's trying to pivot around it, and I don't know how many of the people who are trying to qualify are sort of taking that up. Uh, but many of the Ironman type athletes are extremely Type A personalities. <laughs> And, uh, (laughs) you know, they need that pain or something that keeps them focused and going forward. So um, that's a big question mark in my mind. I know that the the Ironman World Championship in Kona is now scheduled for February. And um, so assuming that that goes on and assuming they're able to qualify people to make that worthwhile will be um, interesting.
0: And you mentioned that there was a cancellation, though, right, just this week?
3: Uh, There was just a, uh, well, there was just a cancellation of a race that was supposed to happen in Texas, which I know a lot of people were looking forward to, um, to start qualifying. I'm following the Ironman 70.3 qualifications um, because race after race has been canceled, and I don't know of one that's been held yet. Okay. Um, I saw something in Australia that one triathlon is going to happen sometime in the next couple of months, and just sort of scanning on a worldwide basis. um, Haven't seen one yet.
0: Yeah, it's pretty complex because each country is dealing with COVID in a different way and they have their own you know, travel restrictions, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, we yeah. did reach out to Diana Birch uh, with the Ironman uh, group, but have not heard back. Uh, but yeah, it'll be interesting to see because that's such a challenge when you're talking about you know, international competition.
3: Yes, and qualifying for it.
0: And uh, Stefan, I understand that the the channel swims have been canceled, right?
1: Well, the, the, the formal channel relay swim has been canceled, the Maui Channel Relay, which is an event that's held on Labor Day weekend. It's been held for over 30 years. In uh, fact, I think closer to 40 years. Uh, and uh, it's it's a, re, a relay event that uh, it's, goes from uh, Club Lanai uh, to Kahanapali Beach. It's canceled, but actually the individual channels are still wide open. That ocean is still out there. and. I've been encouraging people that I know that say, "Well, what am I going to do? The races are canceled." To say, "Pick up a channel swim, even if you don't want to do it solo, all by yourself. uh, You could do it as a relay. You could you could do it with friends. In fact, the group I'm training with we're going to do at least one Maui County County channel next week. Now that inner island uh, next month rather, now that the inner island travel is open, so the channels are open. There are goals you can uh, find for yourself." um hey but i have a question can i ask jim a question real quick sure jim is it possible or conceivable that the hollywood marathon could be an elite only race so that you could cut back on the numbers or the economic numbers just not make any sense
2: no that's not possible that's a good question i mean tokyo marathon uh way back when in uh february which is about 10 years ago in covid time uh, went to an elite-only event. Uh, they had a couple hundred runners. They, they probably defined, most of them were Japanese, but they did have some others. They probably defined elite as for men as sub-225 and a woman for probably sub-240. But um, London is talking about that, so that'll be interesting to see. Of course, they have uh, Eliud Kipchoge, who, who ran the one-hour 59-minute uh, marathon, you would be running London. London is talking about a possible elite only London also has an enormous amount of financial reserves. Uh, their charity program generates uh, approximately $70 million a year. So London actually has unlimited resources, and it would be uh, uh, essentially unlimited resources, and that charity program is big. So they could conceivably go to a virtual uh, race for the, the masses in order to continue their, their charitable fundraising and to do an elite-only event. But that's not something we could do because I think financially it would be impractical for us. We, like most events, uh, we get our revenue from two sources, sponsorship and entry fees. So without those entry fees, and specifically the entry fees from Japan, uh, from the thousands of runners, it would not be uh, feasible for us to do an elite-only event.
0: And, Jim, I have another question for you, you know, because you're a doctor, and then we hear a lot about, you know, the drift, you know, that the the COVID particles are in the air, and, you know, you get people running past, and, and uh, so I don't know, how are you looking at that as you see people out there uh, running past and maybe not distancing?
2: Well, again, like, you know, as a, as a doctor, um, I, I don't want to go too far in that direction. It's not my field of expertise, but, um, but from what I have read and experienced, um, you have to have close contact for some amount of time. If you look at, for example, at Hawaii Pacific Health, an organization I'm a part of, and I'm not speaking for them, but I, I can't speak to the antibody tests that were done uh, on a number of employees at Hawaii Pacific Health, including me, quite a, quite a large testing sample, 4,000 people were tested, and the positive rate was extremely low, and these included frontline workers. Granted, they were using you know protective equipment, but you would have thought that with that type of exposure and conducting the test, that, that more would test positive, but actually very few did. Um, so I don't think that type of minimal exposure, uh, I wouldn't put the, the odds at zero, but it's generally not what it takes to get this, at least based on, on the testing that we've seen. We've also seen that anecdotally here in Hawaii, where you see these these uh, these groups of, of family members together. You'll see like 10, 10 people test positive, so... Um, I do think that it's possible, as was mentioned earlier, if you, if you put on a race and you stagger the start. Again, uh, Howell was talking about that. If you spread people out at the start and you spread people out at the finish, which is something we're definitely planning on doing, to be honest with you, we haven't talked publicly about what our plans are, but one of those uh, clearly involves our starting grid, uh, starting this race over a period of excess of two hours. We would not do a mass start. We would start people over a two-hour period. Um, If we were to hold the race tomorrow, if if the city said, you can have the race tomorrow, what are you going to do? That would be one thing we would do. Another thing we would do at the finish line is people would would get through that finish line, they'd be given a bag, they'd be given their medal, and they're kind of out of there. They could go into the park, and we would make sure that social distancing was enforced. So this is the kind of methodology to try to restrict Uh, the close the close contact with people. Um, As far as the course, I think a quick pass by somebody is not going to get you COVID. We do have some areas on the course that are very congested, particularly Diamond Head, and we are looking at that area and are considering the course redesign uh, for that area, but that will require the cooperation of the city, which I believe we will get, but we're not close enough to the event to even request that yet. So we are looking at the entire event to really address what you just said. How do we reduce that, that contact with people as much as possible? I don't think a quick pass is, is going to be dangerous. As far as wearing masks, I think the studies are, are being shown that exercising um, for a continuous period of time, especially in warm weather, is probably not something that we're going to want to do. I don't think it's safe. Uh, we do have a hot weather marathon uh, it is difficult to to wear a mask the whole time.
0: Well, I have to share. I was over at Kaimana Beach, and I was by the wall, and I was waiting for my, you know, my my turn at the shower, and I was distant six feet, and then I bent down to pick up some trash, and a little boy jumped up on the wall and sneezed on me, and I froze, you know, thinking, you know, you know, you can't plan for it, right? You don't wear a mask when you're out there exercising, but right. yeah, you just never know. Uh, any, uh, I don't know. Final thoughts, closing thoughts, as we run out of time here. Uh, Let's go around the table. Uh, Lori?
3: So I guess that I would say that all of us want to to have good events, but we want our participants and our volunteers and everybody involved to be safe. And so we're weighing a lot of different factors. It's not as easy as just – it's not like we know 100% of what the situation will be. Um, We know what it is that we want to deliver, and we're trying to work within – Uh, what we know and what we can plan to do. Stefan.
1: Well, I'm I'm looking forward to continuing swimming and keeping people in the water as much as possible throughout the summer and the winter. I'm looking forward to seeing uh, Jim put on a a great event and the, the, the marathon going forward as scheduled and looking forward very much to 2021 when hopefully we'll be able to put on events like we did in the past.
2: Okay, and Jim? I think all these events, you know, the swimming, the biking, the running, I think all of them at their core is an affirmation of life. And I think that what COVID has done to, to everybody is is uh, is change changed it for everybody and created a great fear, and it's been a very difficult time for everybody. I think Hawaii has been um, hard hit. And so I think all of us hope to be able to put our events as an affirmation of life uh, and that's our goal, uh, you know, as Lori said, it has to be safe, and so we're not going to go forward unless it's safe. The uh, Marathon specifically, you know, hopes to, to have this event. We think it would be a great thing for the community, particularly this year.
0: All right. Well, we're, we're hoping that uh, that you can put it on. We'd like to thank our guests, Stefan Reinke of the Waikiki Roughwater, Jim Barahal, Honolulu Marathon, and Lori McCartney of the Hawaii Bicycling League. Thank you, the listener, for uh, joining us today. Please call the Talk Back line and record your thoughts about anything you heard on the show today. The number to call, 808-792-8217. I'm Catherine Cruz. Join us tomorrow for more of the conversation.